0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith2Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the director of Faith Formation here at St. Paul's Cathedral in San Diego.
1: And I'm Maya Little-Sanya, and I'm the youth minister here.
0: And Jackie is not with us this week, uh, so it'll be just Maya and I. Sorry, everybody in Japan. But uh, (laughs) fret not. Because we will still have a George Pan Venn Diagram. Maya and I have come up with it this week. So uh, this is the opening segment that we do every week. Very popular. Mm -hmm. Lots of good feedback. Lots. Uh, Where we take a moment to find the similarities between the country of Japan, which is where Jackie lives, and uh, my son, George, who is two months old now. Mm -hmm. And we call it... George Pan Venn diagram, the intersection of Japan and George Tremaine. So Maya has the Japan fact for today.
1: So Japan's uh, waste management system is exceedingly complicated compared to ours and each different like district and city has its own system. but it requires a lot more labor than the American system of different colored uh, trash bags putting it on the curb on different days, lots of sorting. And it just, uh, through this efficient system, more people have to work. And George.
0: George, let me tell you about waste management. <laughs> George creates a lot of waste.
1: That is what babies do.
0: Just as much waste, I'd say, as as every human.
1: Right, or the cities in Japan.
0: But George cannot manage his own waste by himself, so... uh My wife, Mary Lynn, and I end up doing a lot of the waste management. Actually, all of it. Uh, And talk about complicated, we are doing cloth diapers. Which uh, is not just like change a diaper, take it, and throw it away. It's like putting them in this reusable bag and dumping the whole thing in the wash and then washing it and drying it and then sorting it all and folding it and putting it all back and then doing the same thing. We end up Cleaning all of the all of the various diaper paraphernalia what every two have? days. So we have thirty-six cloth diaper liners and ten covers.
1: So that's so much laundry. Yes, and that's a lot of work.
0: I've been amazed at how much more laundry I do now.
1: Right. But anyway, you're always putting so a talk
0: about waste management being complicated and sorting for things.
1: other people. Yeah
0: which you know is I'm sure Japan does it because it's more environmentally efficient and helpful and, and so that's why we're doing the cloth diapers, diapers. but They're it also efficient. takes a lot more work so that is actually one of the more successful crossover points You're in welcome. our George Pan Venn diagram You're so the judges are giving us a thumbs up and yes that is a similarity between Japan and George
1: waste management ding Mrs. ding Jones. ding
0: ding ding so there you go Everyone gets a prize at home. (laughs) Everyone listening gets 300 points. That has been this week's episode of George Pan Van Diagram. I'd like to thank the contestants, George and Japan. (laughs) Everybody wins, uh, including Maya and I and Jackie and all of you. So we'll move on to our gospel for this week. Right. Which is the second reason that we're here after the George (laughs) Pan Van Diagram. Um, This week's gospel is again from Mark. And like every week our Faith to Go resources which you can find at www.myfaithtogo.org uh, our post, which are posted every Sunday and you can also sign up for our weekly email uh, to get all those resources um, which are always based on the gospel. So, Maya is going to read today's gospel, Proper 20, for uh, Sunday, September 23rd and it's from Mark Chapter 9, verses 30 through 37.
1: They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me.
0: Okay, thanks, Maya. So that was uh, the gospel for this week. And you'll notice that it sounded a whole lot like the gospel from last week, at least that first part of it. This is the middle, towards the end of chapter 9. Last week was the end of chapter 8. And uh, last week uh, was when Jesus shared with his disciples about the Son of Man suffering, being rejected, and dying and eventually rising again. And you'll remember Peter kind of pushed back against that, and Jesus rebuked him. So for the second chapter in a row, we have Jesus doing this teaching for his disciples. And then going from that into uh, this talking about um, being first and the greatest of all and the least of all and the servant of all, and then he's tying in this like interaction with children. Uh, as a metaphor and an example for um, being first and being last. So, um, just so you know that that's the context here. We're still in the cha- in the book of in the Gospel of Mark. We're one chapter later, and yet sounds similar because he's teaching them about the same thing. But later in the podcast, our third point will be highlighting kind of the difference between those two stories and seeing what that might say about what Jesus is is teaching them and this story as a whole. Um, But I'm going to go first. Um, The thing I wanted to highlight was this part about uh, the greatest and the least and servant of all. So um, verse 33 here says, Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. Which to me is just the most ridiculous conversation
1: well, I think that's why they were silent. They were ashamed. Yeah. They're like, "What were you guys talking about?" And they're like, "Oh." Yeah. I just wish
0: we had a, like a transcript of that conversation. It just right. seems like such a funny thing. Well, anyway, Peter has the best nose. And, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, but uh, one thing that might be helpful is that, like, conversations about class and social standing would not have been an uncommon topic of conversation um at this time period in this in this place because that was really a big part of s- the structure of society so it's not a, it's it might seem silly to us now of course we probably have similar conversations just in different ways what do you do right yeah exactly yeah yeah um anyway so then he said then it says he sat down called the 12 and said to them whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all The wording here is interesting because it sounds like Jesus is saying, if you want to be first, you must be last and servant of all. So that is kind of like, in order to be first, if you really want to be greatest, you have to be the last and servant of all. Which is really, I think, I think that when this is quoted or similar sayings like it in scripture, that's kind of the emphasis of it is saying, whoever wants to be first must be last Mm-hmm. But when you look at the Greek, uh, what it actually says, one way, the way you would really translate it if you were translating it a little bit more directly, would be that whoever desires to be first will be last and servant of all. So it's more like a consequence than a prerequisite.
1: It's like it's, a cause and effect.
0: Yeah, Exactly. So whoever wishes to be first will be last and servant of all. So that's a little, it's like a very slight change, but really changes the emphasis of it and kind of the teaching of it. It's Mm -hmm. not so much, oh, you guys are talking about who wants to be the greatest of all. But let me tell you. Here, it's like in Matthew, it says in the kingdom of God, whoever is first must be, if you want to be first, you will be last and servant of all. Jesus, there is no kingdom of God language here. Jesus is talking about, like, the actual society and time that they're living in right then and there. Right,
1: if you want to be the greatest in society or if yeah.
0: So instead of that sentiment of, well, guess what? It's kind of backwards if you want to be first, what you need to be is last. It's actually whoever desires to be first will be last and servant of all. So that's just such an interesting slight change that makes a whole, that makes a lot of difference to me in terms of, of what this is trying to say. And I think it's really interesting to think about the that experiential part of it, because he's responding to these disciples, his disciples who are arguing about who is greatest because they're clearly, if they're arguing about it, then each and every one of them is desiring to be greatest. And so he's telling, he's warning them what the consequences for that desire to be the greatest are. And for, and the consequences for wanting to, for desiring to be the greatest are to actually be the last and a servant to servant, everyone, yeah. right? Because if your whole desire is, is to be the greatest, you know. You are mm-hmm. subservient to everyone else's perceptions.
1: Everyone else needs to think you're the greatest,
0: right? And so it seems like you're striving for great power, but actually, the actually the power is an illusion because you are powerless. You actually have less and less power because you're giving power to everyone else,
1: right? To determine your own power, to
0: determine your identity, right? You know how great and you're bound you are. by that. And so I just love that idea that if, if our desire is to be the greatest, we'll actually be last. Right. And servant of all. Because we will be at the mercy of everyone else's opinions of us when our whole goal is to make everyone see us the way that we want to be seen.
1: Right. And not caring and, and wanting to be who you are in contrast to wanting to be the greatest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that kind of leads into my point, which is kind of talking about this little child. Um, because kind of what you were saying, David, where it's, if you accept this not, or let go of that desire to be first, and then you come upon this freedom, um, and it's kind of like this child, this little girl, or not little, I don't know if it was a girl, but... Um, I was just thinking about the other translation more, for a different thing, but anyway, um, children were kind of a non-entity, like a non-being, a non-person, and talking like talking to someone, engaging with someone, um, helping anyone of those kind of non-being um, categories, whether that was, you know, Sumerian woman at the well, Mm -hmm. or the woman who touched Jesus' cloak, the Syrophoenician woman, the little child in the center of the circle, and engaging with them and welcoming them, it's not only, it won't get you anywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not something that would add to your social status, which at the time would be kind of like, what are you doing? You're being foolish, and would ultimately not make you the greatest, because if you're doing anything other than your intention to add to your social prestige, then you're going to fall behind as far as social greatness or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's not... And you're going to... Yeah, it's not going to work out. But if you... But what you you will engage with is not greatness in that sense, but you will engage with God, as Jesus is saying. Like, you're not welcoming... You're welcoming me, and you're not welcoming me. You're actually welcoming the one who sent me. And that's, like, freedom, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's when... We take the time to engage with things that won't necessarily benefit us or our need to be the greatest um that's where we'll find God, and yeah. so yeah,
0: it's like when we actually can let go of our competitiveness or let go of our d- desire for success and greatness, we actually meet God in the places we didn't expect to meet God, right because where we stop we stop doing things. Just for our own success and start doing things for our relationship with God and our relationship with ourselves and with other people
1: right. that might not necessarily have any practical purpose in the material world but yeah. will have a purpose in the spirit, in like mm-hmm. came, in heaven you know yeah
0: it turns everything upside down
1: right like tithing for example why would you do that you know <laughs> like why would you give your money your hard-earned money just to God you know uh, and it's it's something that won't add to your prestige. It's not something that will add to your success, but it'll be a relation, a way to like have a relationship Mm -hmm. kind of in a way. It's not something that will necessarily help you, but it's something that like, it doesn't make sense to do, but we do it. Right. And that's Jesus's whole deal is just flipping everything upside down. You're not getting money from that. You're giving money. You're not getting resources from that. You're giving resources. You know
0: yeah yeah and the more we're striving for success and power world well you know like societal power mm-hmm. and uh and social standing and fame, the more the more the less the less we're able to see God very plainly in the people around us, you know it's like the more we focus on this one thing, the less we're able to see god's moving in our lives because we're kind of kind of like taking control
1: we see that as god and anything else could not be god right
0: and so to let go of that desire like jesus is saying in that first in that first point that we talked about and just letting yourself be okay with what is and who you are you start to recognize that God is in all these places you weren't expecting God to be.
1: Right, and not just people exactly, when you stop to do, it's people places, things, actions. Because
0: like no one in this time would, children had no value here. (laughs)
1: Right, so why would you talk to a kid?
0: Right, Why why would you take care of a child, why would you go out of your way to safeguard children if they have no value? Right. Jesus is saying, not only do you meet me, but the one who sent me. You know, like this, not only is this child not a non person, but this child is an a valid, valuable emissary from God.
1: Right. In you know? a way to exert your energy. Right.
0: In a way to meet God. Mm-hmm. You know.
1: So that kind of leads into our third point, which is about the first part of the story where Jesus is uh, foretelling his death. And he talks about the Son of Man must be lifted up. And I think the most pertinent part that relates to this, it won't we'll go more into kind of the background with the previous story, is the need that our suffering is our own doing and it at because of our attachment. And so, mm-hmm. David, did you want to kind of more go into more like last week's story and how they relate?
0: Yeah, because it's interesting because you know these stories sound very similar, but there are slight differences. So last week. Jesus said, uh, the son of man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And then one chapter later, he says a similar thing, but not the same. The son of man is to be betrayed into human hands and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. You know. So in the first one, it was all on, like, those people, the people outside of this little circle of Jesus. And more and than disciples. outside, but,
1: like, someone that they were, like, often contending with, yeah. like, like, ideologically. Right.
0: And then in this this time, one chapter later, um, Jesus is saying, actually, there's going to, like, we're going to, our little group is going to have a part in this, too. And even, like, you know, betray. Betray is a the the word in Greek is paradidomi, which really like tr- literally means to hand over, and so to to translate it as betray is kind of like interpretive in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, you can't hand something over that you don't have in hand,
1: or so, that you reject.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so like the the priests, the, the the scribes, and those people that are kind of the antagonists to Jesus that were trying to kill him couldn't hand Jesus over because they didn't have Jesus. Right. (laughs) Only the people that were in Jesus' circle could hand him over. So there's this implication that it is not just on these outside entities that are causing suffering, but inside as well. And so that's kind of the connection we were thinking of is like, that's the next step in this process of recognizing, like we talked about with the Son of Man, is that our human our human journey is this process of suffering and rejection and death and resurrection. And Jesus is showing, is revealing more nuance and texture to that here in that not only is that going to be at other people's hands, but we are going to have a part in our own suffering as well.
1: that's scary to examine. I think that's why it says at the end of that little part is that they didn't get what he meant, but they were afraid to ask him. Because it's really kind of scary to not be able to point the finger at anyone else but yourself and figure out that you are the cause of your own suffering because that means you have to change and no one else. Uh
0: And then, just like we talked about, it follows with those conversations about being the greatest and about the children and things like that, about the ways that the consequences for our the suffering that our actions and and desires are going to cause us when therefore things that our that are outside of our relationship with one another and with god when they are about being the greatest,
1: and that's your own desire that's causing your own suffering, and that the way that you eliminate that mm-hmm. suffering is why you get rid of your own desire. But you can't really blame it on other people.
0: But it's interesting too, because that's also going to be part of the necessary journey. It's like we have to start somewhere, and our mm-hmm. our as as like as humans, our journey is going to start with our goal of being the greatest. You know, and that journey is going to show itself to be an illusion and it's going to cause suffering, rejection, death, and then resurrection. And then like the cycle repeats itself, but always going like kind of on a downward spiral into greater and greater depth of ourselves and our relationship with one another and God.
1: And recognizing how we continually mess up on that front, that no matter how many times that like we repent and we say, I'm not going to cause myself to suffer anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I'll do it five minutes later, you know, in something else. Right. So, but that there's
0: always new life in the process,
1: right? You know? That it's like and transformation, two steps forward, one step back, but it's still a step forward, you know? Right,
0: exactly. So that's our three things. Uh, the first one was about the discussion about um, being the greatest and um, and last and servant of all, and that our and our striving to be the greatest, we cause ourselves to suffer. Uh, and that we are invited to um, let go of of those desires and uh, seek our own identity and seek more truths of ourselves and the world around us. Uh, The second one was about the children and about seeking God in the less expected places around us. And the third one was about how we can take how we are taking part in our own suffering and recognizing that and recognizing that is a necessary part of our spiritual journey so after having that discussion maya is going to read the gospel one more time and listen and see if you hear anything new this second time
1: through they went on from there and passed through galilee he didn't want he did not want anyone to know it for he was teaching his disciples saying to them the Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him, and three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying, and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you do- What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another, who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be the first must be the last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them. And taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me.
0: All right. That's our episode for this week. Make sure you all go to myfaithtogo.org to check out those uh, weekly resources for your faith discussions. Uh, you can also sign up for our weekly email and get those, uh, all of those resources in your inbox on Sunday morning. Check out our Instagram uh, and follow us at Faith2Go. And make sure to rate and review this podcast uh, to help other people find it that might be interested. Uh, we're all done for this week. We'll be back in your feed next week, September 30th. But until then, thanks for listening, everybody. And goodbye. Bye. Bye.